lost another legend. We've lost another icon, a voice for every decade, a songwriter, a hellraiser, a hero. Tom Petty has passed away at age 66. Run away, find you lover. Go away, somewhere all bright uh, With me as always when we do the most somber of shows, uh, it's my good friend Brad in L.A. Steve, what's going on, man? Well, it's been a sad week, obviously. Yeah, it has been not a great one. I have to say, it wouldn't really feel like a wake. It would just be the two of us crying in our beers uh, without another person. So we've asked just Drew to join us today. Excellent. Good morning, gentlemen. I, like you, have a little bit of a pissed at the universe kind of feel this morning. And I have a feeling it's because of the passing of Tom Petty. It's definitely a contributing factor. Yeah. It came out of nowhere, didn't it? It just... One day we're sitting there, and the next thing you know, TMZ reports that he's his body found. He had cardiac arrest, rushed to the hospital, put him on life support, determined that there was no brain activity, and then they, they pulled the life support. And by the end of Monday, you know, he was gone. Yeah, just like that. Just like that. Oh. Well, there was also that confusion, too, because for a while it was – Tom Petty has passed. And they're like, no, 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 he hasn't passed, but they don't expect him to live. Well, and like, well, yeah, that's just waiting for the shoe to drop then. It's awful. Yeah. But, and, Absolutely. And that was the problem I had because I, I had to write it up. And so I wrote up the report that, you know, he was found and hospitalized. And then at least 10 news sources had reported he's passed away. So yeah. I I changed it around to, to that he had passed away and drove home. And by the time I got home, I'm getting texted by everybody in the world saying, you know, your blog item is wrong. He, he's still alive, which. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay, you got me on a technicality there, but yeah. I mean, we didn't know what was going on. Yeah. It was, everybody was confused because I think when they, when they originally said they took him off life support, people were like, oh, so he passed away. Yeah. Like Steve said, 10 places said he was, he had passed. So yeah, that's, that's verification. You can write it. I think it was the LA police who came out and said, we can't confirm the death. And then everyone kind of started to back pull a little bit. Yeah. 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 I, I, so it was just confusing and aggravating and, and just kind of with, with all the stuff, the other stuff that happened this, this week, like I said, it just, I just, I'm kind of pissed at the universe. It's like yeah, enough already. It's, it's bad enough that he passed away, but the way that it was reported and the way that it rolled out, it's just, it's, yeah. it's unsettling. You know, you know, like, well, what, what, what's going on? How do I feel right now? And especially for a man that has treated us to so many fantastic songs throughout the oh, decades. I, I was having a t conversation with the 80s progeny. We were talking about what makes a great group, not a great song, but a great group, because we were talking about one-hit wonders. And I said, you know, if you can have two or three good songs, you can pretty much have a career off oh, yeah. of that. But you look at Tom Petty, and and he, he had so many – He's so many fantastic songs, and there's a song that everyone can like. And honestly, if you don't like Tom Petty, something has gone horribly wrong in your life. <laughs> I like the cut of your jib, just true. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that because back in the 80s, the mid-80s, when mm -hmm. I was really trending towards punk music and new wave music and anything that sounded alternative and anything that was mainstream by my group of friends was really frowned upon. But one of the coolest one among us, my, my friend Tom, he owned a record store and, um, instant credibility right there. <laughs> he was a Tom Petty fanatic. 
And he loved all the same bands that we loved. Yeah. But he was a Tom Petty fanatic. And, and he, he was the one who kind of urged me, go and listen. Just forget the whole idea that he's not some goth musician from England and he's not yeah. using synthesizers. Just listen to the songs. Mm-hmm. And so I did and, and instantly became a fan again. Yeah. When was the first? Do you remember any? Does, does any of you remember the first time you became aware of him? I can't say the first time I, I really like heard one of his songs that I would, I would realize that was Tom Petty. I think probably one of the earliest ones I remember though was American Girl. See, I had that same kind of take on Tom Petty, but I didn't have a cool friend that owned a record store to steer me right. So it was just like, oh, that's just, you know, whatever. That's like, you know, rock and roll from some guy from the South. Um, But then um, when Don't Come Around Here No More, when the video came on MTV, this guy, not only is the song great, but they're hilarious. Like this sense of humor, the darkness and the humor of that video is just fantastic. And uh, actually, Steve, you and I were talking about this a little bit earlier this week about, you know, is there an artist who had success in the 70s, was an established player from the 70s who had a better transition to the MTV era than Tom Petty? Nobody knows. He had so many great videos. You Got Lucky is amazing. Uh, You know, who does Dystopia better than Tom Petty? Nobody. You know, he was like the earliest steampunk guy ever. Don't Come Around Here No More is it's a classic. He made that jump like nobody else I can think of. It's funny you mentioned Don't Come Around Here No More. That is probably my all-time favorite Tom Petty song, but not for the reason of the video, which I absolutely loved. But because it helped me get through a breakup, I was seeing this girl, and it was a real toxic relationship, lots of lying. Yeah. But we would get back together, then we'd break up, and then we'd get back together. And Don't Come Around Here No More with the the lyrics, you know, I didn't want her to darken my door anymore. I didn't know what she was looking for. I couldn't do it any anymore. I just couldn't yeah. go through back and forth, back and forth. And so that song really helped me get out of relationship and get the strength to stay yeah, out of the relationship. Kind of get your head around like, no, I really, I yeah. really am done with this. I am done. Exactly. And and it was just those lyrics of kind of you know standing up for yourself as as how I saw it uh, of of being like putting your foot down and saying I can't do it. This is it. You're done. And uh, so that's why it's always been one of my all-time favorite songs. It sends me right back to that late 80s when this was all happening. Yeah. It was just like, oh, I had to get through it. And so I love that song. Yeah, I mean, there's breakup songs and then there's this kind of breakup song, which is like, look, I'm taking, I'm taking it back. It's not about yeah. you anymore. 
Brad, do you have a song that reminds you of a story? Yeah, actually, one of my favorite Tom Petty songs is Even the Losers. this song until I started taking guitar lessons and my teacher's like here I, let's start out working on this and I'm, I'm kind of playing it one of the things that learning how to play guitar really opened my eyes to a little bit was the songwriting craft and the musical craft of some of these guys I wasn't a really a huge Tom Petty fan I'm certainly aware of his work you can't not be but once I started looking at the way his songs are put together like they're just so tight and so well crafted mm-hmm. but, but this song just has the Kind of, it is. A, it's another breakup song, but the the uh, you know even the losers get lucky sometime. Just the lyrics of it. I, actually, every time it gets to the break where he says, "God, it's such a drag when you live in the past." I'm like, "Well, no, hey, wait a minute about that." Just you know, easy there, killer. <laughs> but again, his lyrics are so great. It just paints this picture, tells the story. You know exactly what that kid's going through. By the yeah. end of the first verse, you like, I can picture this guy. I know who he is. You know, I know where he's at. It just, it's amazing. I think I first got turned on to him you know, before I became somewhat hip was um, I remember in middle school and maybe my freshman year in high school, people were wearing the damn the torpedoes okay. sure. shirts. Mm-hmm. And depending on what kind of day the principal was having, <laughs> he would, uh, <laughs> you might have to turn your shirt inside out for the rest of the day. Cause you know, cause torpedoes, yeah, things that, you know, I was, I was in a U-boat <laughs> in the war, man. <laughs> right. Somebody successfully made the argument that it was a nod to, to our history class. And oh I think he actually got to keep his shirt on That's right funny. that day. I think that was a good good day for the principal. But I remember distinctively the t- two shirts you were not allowed to wear, uh, and you would get them turned inside out immediately. One was Damn the Torpedoes, and one was the, uh, the Jack Daniels mm. label. Oh, t-shirt funny. which was real popular back then at yeah. least down here in florida i love when they used to be able to market hard liquor to children <laughs> let's yeah. make this shirt in kid sizes <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny because I, mean, I never it, thought about that <laughs> my girlfriend at the time my, my very first girlfriend Jeanette, Damn, you had a girlfriend gave me high. a baller mm, yeah eighth grade and um she gave me for my birthday, she gave me a Jack Daniels t-shirt <laughs> and I, t- I took it home and showed it to my mom and she's like, yeah, we're going to make a pillow out of that. <laughs> so she stuffed it and made it into a pillow and put it on my bed. So, I mean, I don't know what's oh, worse. Always practical. Let me wear it. <laughs> well, you wear it while you sleep with it. But I, I had it That's for funny. years. Years, years. Has anyone here seen the documentary Running Down a Dream? I've seen I half of it. It is very long. <laughs> right. It's on Netflix right now. It's on Netflix? Yeah. Okay. It's fantastic, but it is like seemingly four hours long. No, not seemingly four hours long. It is four <laughs> hours long. And I got to tell you, I sat down to watch it and I'm like, oh my God, this is four hours. There's no way I'm getting through this. And the first 15 minutes, I'm like, screw that. I'm watching this. I mean, it just it gets its hooks in you so so fast. And he's just, he's such a likable guy. He's very unassuming and he just kind of lays stuff out there. Uh, it, it's really, really well done. I was touched a lot by the fact that they spent a lot of time. The movie starts, the documentary starts with Tom Petty 
taking the stage in Gainesville, Florida, which is where he was born and raised. Um, mm-hmm. He returned in 2006 for a concert. I mean, he'd been there a couple of times before then, but 2006 he returned and they taped the concert in high def. And it, you see parts of this concert throughout the documentary, but it spends a good, what, half hour in Gainesville before yeah. it moves on? Just setting and things it, up, yeah. Right, right. And how, how that city influenced him. How Most of his band members were from Gainesville or the surrounding areas. And that was really important to me when I went to Florida in 85. I mean, Tom Petty was long gone by then. He'd moved on to L.A. I think he did that like in 1976, mid-70s, maybe. Yeah. yeah, it was mid-70s. But – you know, his shadow remained, and one of the places he really cut his teeth was a bar called Dubs. And they mention it in the documentary, and they have, I think they show some clips. You might actually hear some music of him performing um, as the band Mud Crutch back then. That was the name of his band. Yeah. And so when I go there in 85, Dubs is still open. Nice. I mean, it's on its last legs, but it's still open, and it's way the hell out of town. If I recall, it's just north of town. Yeah, I mean, probably has to be outside pretty, the city limits. <laughs> it's, it, Gainesville's a pretty spread out town. The drinking age had just changed in Florida from 19 to 21. And my roommate was grandfathered in. And I had a mustache, as it's been previously established. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Documented. So, so I didn't get carded too if often. If you haven't seen it, go onto the website and look. It's there. Yeah. I, I didn't get carded very much in those days. So... He's telling me about Dubs. He said, we got to go to Dubs. It's where Tom Petty got started. He was a huge Tom Petty fan. So we go there, and he's just like in awe. Like, oh, my God, we're in Dubs. Yeah. This is where it all started. Sacred ground. Yeah, yeah. And I, yeah. I was not maybe quite as enamored at the moment, but um, it was packed because it was um, miniskirt night. Oh, I'll tell you more. Or miniskirt contest. 80s miniskirt night. Miniskirt <laughs> contest night. There are no and, losers in a miniskirt contest. That's the yeah, long exactly. <laughs> Even the losers get lucky sometimes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Nice callback, Spears. God, that was so professional. <laughs> so I'm like, well, I don't understand. Why are we going to a... I don't really want to see miniskirts. Turns out you don't really see miniskirts for very long. They, they would start <laughs> playing a song. I, I guarantee you they were playing a couple of petty songs that night. But they would they would start the song and literally all the clothes just went woof like off before it reached the chorus. <laughs> I told you this place was outside the city limits. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I just remember it was so packed that I'm sitting on the floor Indian style, which I'm sure if I did now would kill me. You know, and we're able to drink <laughs> beer because no one's giving me a hard time. And oh my gosh, um, <laughs> watching naked women prance around in the bar where Tom Petty, you know. Got famous, so it was. Oh, I missed the eighties. Uh, Damn it, I missed that. <laughs> Where's all the good cavorting gone these days? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If there's a song that that really gets me, there's two. One, one is uh, called "Change of Heart," and it's an early one, but it has a guitar hook that just blows me away. And it's a song that. You never hear on the radio unless you listen to um, Tom Petty Radio on Sirius XM, which I do, which is a fantastic channel, by the way. It's not only just his music, but it has what they call uh, Tom's Treasure Chest, where he plays songs that mm-hmm. he, yeah. he liked when he was growing yeah, up. Yeah, that was great. He curated stuff and just like he would find stuff. Yeah. Like, oh my he gosh, that's amazing. Yeah. Change of heart, man, just blows me away.
you know what else turns me on is when you watch that documentary, it has so many other musicians talking about Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. You see Stevie Nicks talking about how she would have left Fleetwood Mac to go join the Heartbreakers if they had asked her to. Yeah, yeah. Tom Petty is like, yeah. there aren't any girls in the Heartbreakers. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and yeah, um, if there was going to be one, it would be it would be Stevie Nicks. Yeah, I mean, let's be she honest. was seriously fangirling over Tom Petty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then the other one that stands out, and not someone who was real high on my radar, but, and I had just I had no idea he was a fan, but Eddie Vedder was a huge oh, yeah. fan. And there's a, a video circulating around on YouTube, and I think they show it on in the documentary, too. You can see Eddie singing along with the Heartbreakers to The Waiting. Oh, His voice is unbelievable. You could tell he's influenced by Petty. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny you say that because there were so many of those grunge bands that were fans of Petty's. I mean, one of my favorite songs is actually, it's a later song called You Don't Know How It Feels. So let's get to the point. Let's roll another joint. Let's head on down the road. There's somewhere I gotta go. Petty performed it on Saturday Night Live, and Dave Grohl from Nirvana and also now Foo Fighters, he was doing the drums for him for that performance. Cool. And I'm not sure that the Saturday Night Live crew even knew because they never once cut to a close-up of Grohl on the drums. He's, <laughs> he's actually kind of hidden back there. You almost, you, if you watch the video, you, you barely even get to see him. It's crazy. I, I think that was right when the, the band was going through a change in drummers, wasn't it? Yeah, it so was. They didn't really yeah. have somebody, and they had that appearance. And I think Tom called him and said, "Hey, you know, you want to sit in for us on Saturday Night Live?" Like, yeah, yeah, okay, get you sure. Scale, okay. Yeah, yeah. So you you mentioned the that concert footage that's in the documentary, and right? The Tom Petty song that just gets me every time. I love his solo song "You Wreck Me," which is off of Wildflowers. It's well, it's a solo album from the early '90s, so give me an exemption for talking about it. But that's <laughs> I love that song. album version is fantastic but this version that he plays it in concert it's got this extended section in the middle where it just kind of quiets down and everybody gets a little bit of a solo and then he's standing at the mic it all just kind of comes down really quiet really quiet 
and then he he starts up the this the last verse i'll be the boy in the corduroy pants and it just i'm watching this and i just i just broke down That's him naked in front of the audience. He's putting everything of himself into that lyric and just and putting it out there. And I'm just like, oh, I just barely could take it. I love that song. Yeah, I've watched that documentary like three times now this week. I, I think I've... you got to watch that first five minutes just for that. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Oh, God, he's just a master. Who, who here has seen him in concert? Anybody? I have not. I haven't. I saw him back in 2008. And the date will become meaningful in a minute. He was playing Tampa, and I was still there. And the podcast at that point, I think, was about three years old. And I went on a date. I was newly single, just gotten separated from my second wife. And I had these tickets. And so I asked this girl. I always always thought we were kind of friends, but I always kind of hoped we'd be more. And, you know, who's going to turn down a concert ticket to Tom Petty? And so she was enthusiastic. And so she went and we just had, I mean, it was one of those magical nights where it's like, you're at this concert that you think is going to be good, but it's phenomenal, you know? And Mm -hmm. Mike Campbell is just knocking it out of the park. Every song, even the ones, the the two songs by Tom Petty, you don't like, even those sound like (laughs) the end of the world. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, at at one point, at what point she puts her like head on my shoulder and I'm like, Oh my God, this is actually going to (laughs) happen. This girl actually maybe likes me, maybe likes me. Maybe this is going to happen. And the night ended and I was, I was in full Spearsy chicken shit stage at that point. (laughs) And I didn't go for a kiss or anything. I just, I don't know why I didn't. I just was like, I I still thought of myself. Yeah, I thought I was in the friend zone, and I just didn't want to do that. But I was – I mean, I was in love. I mean, I, I'll just say it right now. I was in love with her. I was just like – I would do anything, but I just didn't want to ruin the friendship. So, Oh, man. Fast forward like a week, and what happens about that time? Steve Spears goes to Las Vegas. Oh, for the first oh you're kidding. <laughs> I go to Las Vegas with the second 80s gang. I, I meet Vegas girlfriends. Yeah. So I'm with a Vegas girlfriend and I come back from the trip. I'm all, you know, tingly, just tingly and feeling Giddy. great. The girl calls me. I told her about Vegas girlfriend and she starts crying. Oh, and I'm like, what? She's like, I thought that was the beginning of something. I thought we were, mm. you know, I thought that, and I'm like, oh, Oh, Steve. Now I feel Steve, worse. Steve, Steve. I felt so bad. How's the spirit? And of course, uh. Vegas girlfriend only lasted about nine months. And by the time the nine months was over, she had was in a long-term relationship at that point. And oh, there was man. no, we've never been able to put together since. Huh. So huh. I was actually going to go with her again. Uh, Tom Petty on this last tour, was coming through Tampa and she bought tickets and asked me to go with her. Oh. And I could, I could, oh. I forget what the reason was, but I, partly because I didn't want to be dragged through that 
Um, yeah, yeah. Like, let's not go to that spot again. So I didn't, and and now I'll never get to see him again. You know, we talked about when he launched this tour that this is probably going to be his last big tour. Prophetic on that count, Steve. But I thought, well, okay, he's playing the Hollywood Bowl. It's a great venue. Probably ought to try and go see it just because I should, right? Well, that was the weekend that we were in Massachusetts to see Cameron. So I'm like, well, I guess I'm, I'm going to be out of town. Well, I'll catch him some other time. Not so much. Yeah, I drive by the Hollywood Bowl to go home pretty much every night. So I always look at the calendar on the on my phone as I'm walking out to my car to see if the bowl has a show because if it does then I try and take an alternate route yeah sure because traffic is a mess there yeah Steve you've seen it it's right off the freeway it's the only exit right into Hollywood it's just terrible so I always try to take a secondary route and I look at my phone and I see Tom Petty's playing at the bowl and it was one of those because again I don't ever check ahead of time I only check that day and I'm like oh man. I would really like to see Tom Petty. I should have gotten tickets. I'll get it the next time he comes to town. Yeah. And, uh, mm. you know, and then he passes and I'm like, you're such a dumbass. And and is it wrong? To, I think maybe this might be the first time I really realized, like, if I have a chance to see a band that I've been wanting to see. You see them. Uh, I better get my ass out there to see them. Yeah. It's that point of getting older and realizing that shit. You're just like, man, I can't, I can't procrastinate on that stuff anymore. I've, I've got to get out there and yeah. do it. Since then, I've been listening. I don't know about you guys, but I immediately when I found out he passed, I downloaded a Spotify list, and I've been listening to all these different songs. And, and one of the things that that caught my attention was there's times when Tom Petty sounds. He sounds like Bruce Springsteen in the E Street Band. There's other times it sounds like uh, Elvis Costello. But the thing about Tom Petty that struck me was that while he may sound slightly like those other bands, they all sound uniquely like Tom Petty. He was such a unique yeah. voice in American rock and roll. Yeah. And we've lost that. And I'm, I think that's, again, why I started off saying I'm just pissed at the universe right now. Yeah. Well, he... He gave us five albums in the 80s, if you count Damn the Torpedoes, which I will because it was released in October 1979, and we didn't turn our T-shirts upside down for nothing. Um, <laughs> Damn straight. Hard Promises came out in 81, Long After Dark, 82. And that's such a bygone era when artists would just put out albums every year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's um, what the label expected of you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Southern Accents, 1985, and Let Me Up, I've Had Enough from 1987, which we've talked about on the podcast before. Yeah. Southern Accents, the song itself, Johnny Cash did a version of it on one of Cash's last albums. Yeah. And if you know, I mean, when he did those albums, he did a lot of covers, and he basically stole those songs from all those other artists. But he didn't Southern Accents. Tom Petty's is still the better version of that song. It's just, I think it, there's a a connection to that that Petty brings that um, that Johnny Cash actually just couldn't touch. There's a dream that I keep my mama comes to me The news death of and says a prayer for me Get my own way, 
I mean, that's so much his song, him talking that you can't, I, yeah, I've heard that version and it's okay, but it's not, Yeah, it's, it's more an homage than a cover in a lot of ways, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. And a, another song that we haven't touched on yet, and I think that people would string us up if we don't, is uh, Free Fallen. I want to glide down over Mulholland. I want to ride through name in the sky. I'm going to free fall out into nothing. going to leave this world for He wrote that with fellow Wilbury member Jeff Lynn. And the lyrics, you know, she's a good girl, she loves her mama. He wrote that just to try to make Lynn laugh. He was uh, trying just to screw with him because Lynn was like, hey, we need to, we have so many of these serious songs. Let's try and do something a little goofy. And in the end, he still turns it into this amazing song with all these tributes to Los Angeles and yeah. um, the video that was out here that, you know, I, I recognize. Matter of fact, I've even eaten at that hot dog place. <laughs> it, it is right there on Ventura Boulevard. Yeah. I got my very first ever deep fried Twinkie there. Um, you yeah. You, um, you have to say it. Ventura yeah. Boulevard. Ventura Boulevard. <laughs> what, a, what a lovely singing voice you have, Drew. I, I'll, I'll let them know you're available. <laughs> one, of the things that, uh, one of the things that I think really makes a, a Tom Petty song, they come out and they open and it's like, you know exactly what it is from downbeat. And one of those I think is learning to fly. It just comes right at you. And it's such a great song. The lyrics, I'm like, I'm not sure what's going on in this song. Is the world ending? Are we happy? Are we sad? I don't know. I don't care. It's this great Tom Petty jam. And I'm just going to turn it up and I'm going to roll down the windows. I'm going to sing along. And life is good for, you know, three and a half minutes. Well, the good old days may not return. And the rocks might melt. And the sea may burn I'm learning to fly But I ain't got wings Coming down Is the hardest thing Did you see that he, uh, where the lyrics learning to fly came from? No. He was watching the news one day while he was trying to write songs, and um, he heard this this guy who was taught learning to be a pilot. And they asked him, "Was well, it hard to learn to fly?" And he goes, "No, it's coming down that's hard." Uh. <laughs> and that's exactly. He was just like, "Huh?" And that stuck Flying in his head. Not a problem. So landing more, more yeah, difficult. Yeah, yeah. That song is actually it comes on the movie uh, Elizabeth Town. Uh, it all comes uh, back oh, yeah. to Elizabeth Town. Yeah, it's always back to Elizabeth Town. My favorite uh, uh, Cameron Crowe movie. And that which that, that movie probably has like sixty songs in it, but it actually yeah. has two petty songs in it, and I bet nobody can remember the other one. Mm. Well, I, I bet no one here has actually seen Elizabeth Town. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. I have yeah, seen, yeah. But I know Cameron Crowe used a lot of petty songs in his stuff. Yeah, the other one was one of my favorite songs. It's called "It'll All Work Out." She wore faded jeans and so black leather. She had eyes so blue. They looked like weather. When she needed me, I was around. That's the way it goes. It'll all work out. Yeah, I, rem- 
remember you talked about yeah. this on another show. This is a great song. I know. There's five, five or ten petty songs that will instantly trigger the waterworks at the in the Spearsopian dystopia that I live in. <laughs> this is this is one of them. Just I love I love when it when he when it, a song is broken down and simple and yeah. it just has um, a meandering pace to it. You know, to me that's you can really focus on the, the little things. And um, he was so as good as he is with a great hook, he could be equally great with these slow studies. Yeah. Did you see that also that his um, guitar teacher was Don Felder from the Eagles? No. Yeah. Huh. It, growing up, that's who taught him how to play guitar. Wow. I, I can't believe I didn't know that. It's bizarre. Yeah. I mean, again, I did a lot of, a lot of searching of, of his stuff this week. So, yeah. Well, I think back just briefly to it'll all work out. Again, I think that's an example of, you know, how good he is at writing songs, writing the lyrics to songs. Cause it's just, yeah. it just feels so honest and it's so, he's so bare and exposed. It's just, you know, either he's um, really putting himself out there or he is a really good liar. Well, I think like a lot of people from the South, I think he's very humble in that regard where I don't think he likes to boast that much. But yeah. he, I think he spent – I think I've read that he pretty much spent part of every day writing songs or, or working in the studio. I mean that yeah. was what he did for fun. But one of the things that Brad said about you know the lyrics is, is uh, they're deceptive because you, you think that he's um, – you think that he's he's not as as poetic, but then he would drop these lines that that every once in a while you'd hear it and you think, oh my god, that's absolutely beautiful. When he talked about, I think it's Rebels, where he talks about the girl's eyes being blue just like the weather. Yeah, that's, that's, like, that's it'll all work. Beautiful, out, isn't, it? isn't that it'll all? Oh, yeah, is it all work out? Yeah, that's yeah. a great. God. Right, I noticed that today when I heard it too. That's just like, oh, that's just a great. Oh. I, yeah, I love that stuff. <laughs> it's beautiful. And so I guess we reach the end here. And we look for some sort of elusive wisdom that will ease the emptiness that we all feel these days. I don't have those words, and I don't have that wisdom. So maybe what we should do is just pour a glass full of Southern Comfort and make a silent toast to the head heartbreaker. And we just kind of give a knowing nod that Tom Petty thought about rock and roll in a certain way. He said he thought of it as a religion, not an art form. Certainly not commerce or career, something deeper than all that, a religion, an institution that commemorates birth, life, and ultimately death. Tom gave one final interview with the Los Angeles Times that was conducted just days after he and his band finished their 40th anniversary tour, and it turns out it was just a few days before his death. He and his band had finished it all with a bang, three sold-out shows at the Hollywood Bowl, a fitting finale for a man born in Gainesville, Florida, but who always thought of himself as an artist adopted by the city of L.A. Tom's words about rock and roll will have to serve as his final words on rock and why he devoted his life to music. He said, I quote, It was about moving people and changing the world, and I really believed in rock and roll. I still do. He continues, I believed in it in its purest sense, its purest form. I'm just trying to get the best I can out of it, as long as it remains holy. Unquote. You made rock and roll something we could worship, Tom. Rest in peace. And if you can't do that, then raise a little hell. Hell.